This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's the last day, the last official day of summer, the 22nd of September, 2023. Fall comes tomorrow. We've got a, we've got a nip in the air here for about the last week. Temperatures have been in the upper 40s, low 50s uh, when I get up in the morning. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So, um, but light night in baseball last night. There were a couple of games that uh, impacted the playoff races. We'll get to that in just a second. We've got Dan Zampano coming up at 9.15 to talk about last night's uh, beatdown by the San Francisco 49ers over the New York Giants. Uh, we'll talk about some of last week's action, um, what's going on with the Patriots, of course, and then he'll give us – his predictions for this coming week games. You look at the the schedule this week, there's some potentially lopsided games. There's probably, I don't know, a half a dozen games this weekend that have the potential to be blowouts. Uh, I mean, San Francisco was a uh, a ten and a half point favorite last night, and they covered that pretty easily. So uh, I think we've got a, a bunch of games this week that are going to be the same way. So we won't ask Dan to predict those because uh, I could do those. So, uh, but we'll uh, we'll get to uh, him coming up at nine fifteen. In the playoff races in baseball last night, the Tampa Bay Rays looked like they were on their way to losing to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim again. Uh, but they come back to win the game 5-4. to four. Manuel Margot, an RBI single, uh, a two-run rally in the bottom of the ninth, and the uh, Rays win the game 5-4. to four. A huge, huge win for them last night. It's, it's a game that they had to have um, if they're going to try to beat the Orioles. And the Orioles, as I said, you know, I, I said yesterday, or actually I've been saying all week, that, the Orioles going to Cleveland was not a sure thing. And uh, that, that this Cleveland team could be dangerous. And that proved to be the case yesterday. Um, the Guardians beat the Orioles 5-2. to two. Um, It was just uh, – it was Cleveland was in charge most of the game. They had a two nothing lead going into the eighth inning. Baltimore manages to tie it up, and then the bullpen just throws up all over itself uh, in the in the eighth inning. And Cleveland scores three. They end up winning five to two. Emmanuel Classe picks up his forty second save of the season for Cleveland. And you know the thing for Baltimore, you have to be worried about. You've got that four game series this weekend. Well, guess what? Shane Bieber is coming off the 60-day IL today to face the Orioles. Now, he's coming off the IL. You don't know what to expect, but it's Shane Bieber. 
This is a guy that before he went on the IL had a uh, an ERA of three point seven seven. This is a guy who, when healthy, is you know in the top third, uh, maybe the top twenty five percent of pitchers in Major League Baseball, maybe even a little bit higher than that. Uh, so he's going to pitch today, and then Tristan McKenzie, who's been on the IL since June with a right elbow sprain, is coming off the IL this weekend, and he is going to face Baltimore on Sunday. So suddenly, you know, Baltimore going up against a team uh, that has struggled all season long is, what, uh, eight games under five hundred, not going anywhere, and all of a sudden Baltimore is going to run into a little bit of a buzzsaw with a couple of those pitchers becoming healthy. And this Cleveland team, by the way, is very good at home. I think they're five games over five hundred at home. They've struggled mightily on the road, but they are a really good home team. And this four-game series this weekend, Baltimore, by the end of the weekend, could find themselves out of first place in the American League East. Now, look, they're still going to make the playoffs. Uh, They've already clinched their playoff berth. But if you're Baltimore, you want to win that division, get yourself a chance to get a bye uh, so that you don't have to worry about uh, those first-round games. That would be your hope. But uh, they're going to have their hands full, no question about it today. Uh, The the, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Took one on the chin yesterday. They get beat by the Yankees 5-3. I mean, you knew this was going to be a handful anyway because the Yankees had Garrett Cole going. Garrett Cole goes eight innings last night, gives up just two hits, strikes out nine, doesn't walk anybody, gives up one run. They got a couple of runs off of Clay Holmes in the ninth inning that make it look respectable. Um but Garrett Cole, 14-4, his ERA lowers to 2.75, probably the odds-on favorite to win American League uh, Cy Young. And uh, these, you know, look, Toronto's now going to face Tampa six times to close out this season. So the Blue Jays right now sitting in the second wild card position, but they are just a half a game ahead of Texas and a half a game ahead of Seattle and six games coming up with the number one wild card and potentially the American League East winner uh, before all is said and done, the Tampa Bay Rays. So uh, Toronto could find themselves in a dire spot by the end of the weekend. Uh, in the National League, the Phillies beat the Mets 5-4. to four. Nick Castellanos, uh, 103 runs batted in now. Had a homer and four, uh, uh, four runs last night driven in to give him 103. This is a guy who last year was getting booed mightily in Philadelphia. He signed a five-year, $100 million deal prior to last season and stunk. Last year he had 13 homers, 62 runs batted in, and couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. Well, he's having himself a hell of a year this year, and uh, the Phillies win a big one um, against the Mets. They will play again tonight. Taiwan Walker will get the start for Philly. Uh, I mean, excuse me, for uh, yeah, for Philly, and then Tyler McGill will get the start for the Mets. And the Phillies right now, three games ahead of Arizona for the number one wild card. Uh, Arizona's got their work cut out for them coming up as well. So uh, Philly, probably the odds-on favorite to get the number one wild card, but they've got Miami and Chicago and Cincinnati. You have right now five teams going for three spots, and they are all within four and a half games of each other going into the final eight or nine games of the season. That is going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, over the next week. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL football. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It's 15 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning, and we are pleased to be joined, as we are every week, by Dan Zampano. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Gene, it's a great day to be great. It's a beautiful Friday down in the Commonwealth here. I know we're a little north of you, but as we are north of you, I can feel that crispness in the air. The first Sunday of fall is upon us. It's going to be so much fun for week three. All right. Well, let's before we get to week three, we got a few things to talk about that happened around the league this week. Uh, let's start with this bizarre situation going on in Chicago, where all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to make of this. The defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, resigns. There's all kinds of speculation about an FBI raid. The, the Bears are saying, no, none of that ever happened. At the end of the day, is there something more nefarious going on here, or was this a rat jumping off a sinking ship? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> you talk FBI raids and the right. rest of it. It sounds like you know Wolf of Wall Street or something going on, and the Bears are trying to – they're trying to penny stock with their players and trying to penny stock with their coaches. Who knows? I mean, this is like a totally bizarre, like you say, situation. Uh, to me, I don't really know what to make of it. We we probably need more facts to come out. But you can just see this has been not just a disaster, a colossal destruction of a, of a franchise that has basically wasted the last three years. I mean, they've basically done that. I mean, they've had, they now have the, the, the coach now has been there in his second year and can't keep it together like this. I mean, maybe he's okay with cleaning house and, you know, trying to figure it out, but they, luckily their coach is more of a defensive coach. I don't want to know what to make of the situation for the coaching staff, but I, I got to tell you what I heard from Justin Fields this week was, was extremely concerning. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he's getting frustrated and I think he's hearing the noise on the outside. And that's the sign of a destruction of your football team. Uh, you know, it, to, to be honest, I look at it and, you know, I, I think it actually strengthens the arguments for other teams that made quarterback decisions. I mean, if you look at that 21 draft, really only two of the quarterbacks can play football, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, that's pretty much what we figured out. And it seems like Justin Fields is not one of them. We got Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, and that's pretty much it. I mean, so, you know, the the fact, and honestly, it's par for the course with the history for the Bears. Right. But it is it is definitely devastating, and all those people that were writing up MVP tickets for Justin Fields, like lunatics, uh, I'm sure that they're uh, crying in their beer this morning. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and again, look, whether 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 there's an FBI connection or whether, and, and Alan uh, Williams says that it's a, it's a health issue, uh, regardless of what it is, look, this is a team. This was his second year, and they allowed the second most points in the NFL last year. They weren't doing a whole hell of a lot better this year, so it was. There's a trend, right? So you know, there's a part of me that just wonders if Williams just realized either he was over his head, or there was some talk between the head coach and said, "Look, we need to make a change." So you don't feel well, do you? You know what I mean? I mean, you just wonder. Yeah. Well, yeah, Williams. William, you got to think about it. The head coach is a D, is is a former defensive coordinator. Right. Like he's running the defense. You know, it's it's like how much I think Eberflus might have been. You know, set up and be like, look, maybe it's not working between us. Let's let's figure something out. Right. God forbid we change quarterbacks. Oh, can't do that. Turning it over every week, but you know, <laughs> can't do that. No, can't do that. Uh, let me tell me what do you make of this. Uh, trade that was made this week between the Vikings and the Rams to send Cam Akers 
to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I thought Cam Akers was, you know, look, when he came back last year, he ran the ball well. I thought he was going to be the guy going into camp this year. Um, mm-hmm. How shocked were you by this? Well, I, I noticed that it was a late-round conditional pick, right, that, yes. they, that they gave up for him. Uh, I wonder what the structure of the contract is because, me, both of these teams are completely cap-strapped. So I'd like to know, hey, who's paying what? I mean, Cam Akers is still on his rookie deal, right. so he's not costing that much uh, for the Rams to get rid of him. But I think the Vikings needed to make this move. I think this was probably initiated by the Vikings – Alex Madison fumbled like three or four times in the game last Thursday. Right. Uh, and they don't feel maybe that they have anything behind Alex Madison that's worthy of playing right now. I, I know Ty Chandler is it was a popular preseason kind of training camp hero, but uh, maybe they feel very uncomfortable with Alex Madison, the way he's carried the football so far this year. Uh, I think it's a great move for the Vikings to get their one-two punch back. Cam Akers is a – very much a serviceable starting running back in this league. Um, and, you know, it seemed like over the last week that uh, he was trade bait because you could see Kyron Williams was getting most of the carries for the Rams, and Cam Akers, I don't even think he played last week against the 49ers. So um, it was pretty obvious that, that he was on the chopping block and that, uh, that these talks have been going on for a while, uh, probably about the last two weeks. So I think it's a good move for the – Rams, I, I don't see why they really, at this point, need him in a rebuilding spot. I know he's a younger player, but, you know, getting at least some money off the table is fine. I think the Vikings more benefited, though. I, I think they win this trade, in my eyes, because because they needed somebody with more ball security and maybe a little more explosiveness. I mean, Madison is a little bit more of, you know, downhill, kind of bang around in the middle of the tackles type of guy. Mm-hmm. I think Cam Akers provides a little more explosiveness, a little more pass game uh, readiness. I think it's a good trade for Minnesota. Uh, look up the word awkward in the dictionary, and there is probably a picture of the Cleveland Browns front office and Kareem Hunt. Oh. I mean, talk about kind of bizarre is that now we have uh, Kareem Hunt being reunited with his old team uh, to take the place of Nick Chubb. What a horrific what a horrific injury last week. And by the way, I don't know how you Awful. feel. I don't know how you feel, but kudos to ESPN for not showing the replay. Yeah, it was probably pretty gross. Yeah. And uh, you you got to see it. Um, you got to see it if you were online. It, it was available. Yeah, so well, I, I purposely didn't yeah, watch. It was pretty nasty. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. Uh, you know, I, you feel for the kid, don't you? I yeah. mean, he, the guy is like the most consistent running back in the league right now yep. in terms of running the football. Like he, yards per carry, he's the best. He is. He just bounces up people. His legs, he's like a modern day. He's almost like maybe not even as explosive, but he kind of like, you know, reminds me with his legs of like an Earl Campbell yes. legs. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, and he, and he, he really yeah. does. His size and his, and his thighs are unbelievable. Yep. So, and he just kind of bounces off guys. But, but it is a sad situation. And Kareem Hunt coming in, you know, Kareem Hunt, you know, it makes all the sense in the world to bring him in. Yes. Sure. I mean, he was there for a while, and, you know, it was a one-year deal. What it makes me think of, uh, what this makes me think of, rather, is the Colts really probably are not getting Jonathan Taylor off their books. Right. Because if you were really going to make a deal, this if, been if, it. The, if the Colts were serious, <laughs> yep. this would have been it. Yep. I mean, 
Yep. You could have replaced him so easily, given him a one-year deal, let him go to free agency next year. Yep. He would get what he wants. Like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, whoever his agent is, it just makes him look even dumber <laughs> than than what he already did. Right. So, you know, the fact that they wouldn't even sniff that and the Colts, you know, were – I mean, I bet the Browns, you know – a lot of speculation came around after that injury that the Browns may be willing to, you know, you have a little bit of a more hefty, uh, hefty payment to get Jonathan Taylor and they still didn't do it. And yeah. so to me, I think it makes Jonathan Taylor and his agent just look foolish for what they did. That, that That's what it looks like to me. Um, what happens with this mess going on in Las Vegas with Chandler Jones? He's now been, uh, He's been, oh my God! I mean, yeah. put on the reserve non-football illness list. Yep, illness list, the mental illness, because he went on social media and goes after the owner and the coach and the general manager. I mean, there's is there any fixing this? I I don't think so. I think it's broken beyond repair. Look, Chandler Jones is is getting paid a lot of money to get you know how many sacks did he have last year? Less than ten, right? Maybe less than five. I don't know. Uh, you know, and this, this is a wild situation that he's out there spewing, uh, some allegations that are pretty serious. Yeah. And so to me, you know, I don't know whether this is chalked up to mental health. I don't know whether there's something more nefarious going on. I don't know. So, uh, to me, I just don't think that this can be repaired. And I don't think the Raiders can go forward with them. Uh, at this point, I, I mean, Chandler Jones has had issues in the past, i.e. in New England. People remember why he was traded. Right. right. Um, <laughs> if you go back to that incident with the police officer and all that. Yep. So, you know, there, there's been a lot of stuff and, you know, he's, he's had a little bit of a history of some wild antics, but uh, he's a great player. There's no question about that, but uh, I don't think they can move forward from this point with the owner being called out. And unless there's something, you know, that we don't know going on between Mark Davis and McDaniels and the rest of them, uh, I just think the situation and, and their time is over. Uh, absolutely devastating injury for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. Trayvon Diggs oh my goodness. tears the ACL out for the year. What a huge blow to this Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he just signed a huge contract, right? I think he's got like 18 interceptions in the last couple of years. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, what is, I mean, Dallas isn't replacing him. No. And, and it makes the Gilmore trade even more, you know, important. Right. Uh, and smart for the Cowboys. I mean, they needed to, they needed to get one more playmaker. I think they were looking at it and say, we can, if we can get somebody on the cheap, that's still pretty viable and good and a veteran corner to go along with our, our young corner and, and kind of like, you know, lead that group. Heck, I mean, we could be really good. And now it's going to be Gilmore and that's it. So uh, I, I do think that's a huge blow for Dallas in terms of just their defensive star power. You know, I mean, yeah. that defense is so good and the, and it's all, you know, we obviously know Micah Parsons is, is the straw that stirs the drink. But to lose a guy like Diggs in the back end where you can kind of throw him on, like, one of the best receivers, I mean, their goal, Dallas knows they're better than almost every team in the NFC. They're looking at San Francisco and Philadelphia right. and, and say, these are the teams we need to beat and figure out a way to beat because we know we're better than all the other teams. So there's a huge blow to them. But some of those other teams, I mean, Philly's been dealing with a lot of injuries in the secondary. Their mm-hmm. offense doesn't look right. You know, San Francisco looks fantastic. They look like a wagon. 
So, um, but Dallas has looked just as good. So how they go forward with this, obviously they're going to have to supplement with some of their younger players, but it is an extreme blow to them. And I think we'll see how much of an impact it is when they go play San Francisco. Well, let's, uh, you, let's, we've mentioned San Francisco a couple of times, so let's get into last night's game. And look, I, I got to be honest, I was watching the game and in the beginning, I kind of thought San Francisco might be in trouble because the Giants were blitzing at a, at a level that I haven't seen in a long, long time. And Brock Purdy looked a little rattled. Matter of fact, I think he was like only four for his first 10. But once he figured it out and, you know, it's all of a sudden it was like something clicked and all of a sudden he was like, okay, I got to get rid of the ball quick. And, and from that point on, after that four for 10 start, he was damn near perfect the rest of the way. Yeah, I think Wink Martindale has a very big tendency to pressure quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, right? right? And you saw that guy McFadden, that running that linebacker at 41 McFadden was all over the place last night. So so he was really having a good game. The D-line was having a good game. Uh, but to me, I think it's a credit to Purdy. I think it's a credit hugely to Kyle Shanahan because mm-hmm. that was a methodical picking apart yep. of – the New York Giants. They did it with the run game in McCaffrey and Mitchell. They did it in the passing. Debo Samuel literally could not be tackled last night. It was incredible to how many tackles he was breaking. Yep. Uh, George Kittle had a great game. Uh, and Purdy was efficient. Even on that touchdown throw to Debo Samuel, he had a guy in his face, and he just let it fly, and Samuel made a great play. So, you know, that was methodical. Gene, they had the ball for 39 minutes. 39, they choked yeah. them out. Yeah. I mean, that is quintessential, yep. quintessential Kyle Shanahan to a T. So, to me, I, I think that was the four. Now, the referees had a couple of uh, you yeah. know, it's one called here and there. But yeah, yeah. Outside of that, yeah, yeah. outside of that, I don't think the Giants win that game either way. I yeah. mean, I, I really don't. I think, I think the 49ers defensively in the second half, I mean, they had Jones completely rattled. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he was – he was scrambling out of the pocket when he wasn't under pressure. <laughs> so, you know, he had a ball thrown to Darren Waller. Darren Waller is six foot six and he still overthrew him. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, and, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I think he was really, really rattled and uh, the giants have a lot of work to do. I mean, they just have a lot of work to do and a lot of explanation as to why they paid this quarterback, what they paid him. I, I, it still boggles my mind, but without Barkley, uh, it's going to be tough yeah. for the Giants' offense. Yeah, and they're saying high ankle sprain, and that's one of those things that can go on. Uh, that can that could drag on for a long, long time. And uh, oh, that's a four four to six week injury. Yeah, no question. Exactly, exactly. So I look and uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, is, you know, he's ridiculous. He really is. I mean, the, the, unbelievable. He's, I mean, he was like you, they couldn't bring him down last night. No, no. I mean, you could see he was punching guys. Yeah. He was going out of bounds. He was like punching guys <laughs> yep. on stiff arms, like yep. just punching them. To, like, yeah, I'm a grown man. Get off me. You know, right. like it was unbelievable. McCaffrey is so explosive, and you could see his work ethic. You could see how much his body is just in perfect shape, and he moves so fluidly. He's like one of the most fun running backs in the league to watch. Uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, the uh, and and well, you know what makes last night even more impressive too is the fact that the San Francisco's playing that game without Brandon Ayuk because he's got a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy that uh, that stepped up huge for me, the, you talked about the pass, uh, the touchdown pass to Debo Samuel. My favorite pass that he may have made all night, pretty made all night, was that touchdown pass in the front corner of the end zone to Ronnie Bell. 
and he just barely got the two feet in mm-hmm. in the corner there. And I, you know, but good good job by Ronnie Bell stepping up last night. Oh yeah, Ronnie Bell, University of Michigan, one of my favorite guys in the world. Yeah, I know rookie. that's that's why uh, I brought he, it up, buddy. <laughs> I had a feeling you. I think you know you know me so yeah. well. I, you know, I, I think what makes San Francisco so dangerous, though, Gene is they can substitute without substituting. Yeah. You see them putting yep. Debo Samuel in the backfield and putting McCaffrey out at receiver. Right. I mean, how do you deal with something like that with that many athletes on the field? Uh, you know, and they have Kittle as a Kittle is so good at blocking that it's it's almost impossible to know whether they're going to run or pass with that play action because Kittle's blocking is just as good as his route running. Right. So it, it's really really difficult to deal with that many athletes because they can put so many guys in so many different positions. You know, matter of fact, didn't you you say, you told me that you believe that Kittle's a better a better tight end than Travis Kelsey? Yes. Well, I, 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 let me let me say what I think about Travis Kelsey versus Kittle. Okay. Kittle is your classic tight end, right? Yeah. He's a blocking tight end and can and has the ability to stretch the field, right? Yeah. Travis Kelsey is not a tight end. Like Travis Kelsey is a Y receiver. That's true. Really, that's, that's what he is. That's fair. And he yeah. is. That's what he is. He does not really block on the edge at all. Yep. And you know, just kind of gets open. I mean, the fact that he's being titled as a tight end and is grossly underpaid for his services because of how productive he actually is. Yep. He should be paid like a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, you know, he really is not that classic guy. He's not that Gronkowski. He's not that Kittle. Like that's not what he is. I mean, he is going to line up in the slot and going to just beat your linebacker, your most athletic linebacker, or he's going to beat your small safety because he's big. So, you know, to me, that's what I mean, I think, when I say Kittle's a better tight end because Kittle's actually a tight end. Right. Right. Okay. That's fair. Um, All right. Let's get to uh, uh, the Patriots game from last week. Do we have to? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes, we do. Uh, number one, uh, it's my contention. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk with, uh, Zach Wilson from the Jets, right? Now that he's the quarterback for the Jets. And everybody has said, you can't make Zach Wilson play from behind. He's not capable of leading a team from behind. You've got to play from ahead. I'm kind of getting the feeling that Mac Jones may be the same kind of guy. That Mac Jones may be, and this isn't to say, to say Mac Jones stinks, okay? But this is to, to say that Mac Jones, to me, isn't a big play quarterback. He is a game controller. So I don't think you can ask Mac Jones to win a game for you. So if they're going to continue to play behind at halftime every game, I think the Patriots are in big trouble. I, I think you're spot on with that analysis. I think you're absolutely spot on with that analysis. The last two games, we know that they have, A, got themselves into a hole because they've turned the ball over. Right. And, B, have this valiant effort to come back in the game, did a great job doing it, but ultimately came up short. Right. And, look, I don't want to heap a lot of the blame on Mac Jones. I thought Mac Jones had a really good game. But Mac Jones also has these moments where at critical times, he throws an interception. Yeah. He has a turnover. Look, a lot of this, though, has to do with roster construction. That offensive line was ridiculously horrible on, yes. on, uh, on, on Sunday night. It, it was, was 
start, but the guys like named Vidarian Lowe and Calvin Anderson. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you could pick these guys out of a lineup. I mean, it, I mean, you could pick these guys out of Walmart. Like who who knows who these guys are? They just are tackles off the street. They didn't actually address the offensive line issue, and now they have very very low depth. You could say they had all these draft picks, but these draft picks are not going to be ready to play, and these none of these guys were drafted. Before the fourth round, right? So right. you know, I mean, to me, it's like you spent your first three rounds drafting defensive players, and those defensive players look really good. Yes, but the Patriots also got completely out schemed. That was what was so surprising in this game is that McDaniel had the patience to know that I don't have to throw the ball over the yard. Yep, I can get the ball out in two seconds. And I can run the football right. because they're not going to be able to stop us. And that was very frustrating to see that the Patriots got whooped on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, You know, I mean, that was where the game was won and lost because McDaniel had the wherewithal to say to himself, look, it's 17-3. If we run the football, they're not going to be able to stop us. Like, we don't think they can stop us because they're playing this umbrella defense. And for the most part, that umbrella defense held him down, but McDaniel did what he had to do to win the game. He didn't try to get cute. He didn't try to just play his offense. He had a methodical thing, and that's why I love the Dolphins so much this year because their coaching is really, really good. McDaniel's really on the cutting edge of what he's doing. You could see it. I mean, this motion, like, you know, how quickly Tua and how confident Tua is getting the ball out to his receiver when he's not open, but he knows he's going to be in that spot. Look at Mac Jones. Mac Jones, like, doesn't trust anybody. I mean, totally doesn't trust anybody to be out there. Hunter Henry might be the only one. Yeah. And then the one guy, the one guy that can actually make an explosive play, Demario Douglas, gets strip sacked from behind, had no clue where Bradley Chubb was. It was an unbelievable play. Yep. And, of course, Bill Belichick is going to bench him for the rest of the game. Yeah, right. So, yeah. you know, to me, this is an entire program structure. This team is not a bad team. I agree with Matthew Judon when he said that. They are not a bad team. But they're not a good team either because they don't beat the good teams. They consistently get behind. They consistently chase. And if they win this game on Sunday against the Jets, who cares? It's like, Jets. who honestly? Yeah. Like, right. yeah. You've beaten the Jets 14 games in a row. Right. Who cares? Right. Go to Dallas in two weeks and win that game, and then we'll really talk about whether this team should have a program change, a regime change. The Patriots, we talked about this, the Patriots will beat up on all the soft teams, and when they play the good teams, maybe they'll win one game or two, but for the most part, they'll lose because they don't have the talent that they think they do. Maybe maybe a crazy question, an extreme question, but is there any scenario you see where Bill Belichick does not survive this season? 100% 100% yes. Yeah, what would that be? I mean, I, I, if they if they lose this game on Sunday, there has got to be a serious conversation about how far we go okay. with, with, with Belichick because they're 0-3 going into Dallas. Right. I mean, there's no coming back. I mean, we talked about this. Gene, we talked about last week 0-2 teams yep. and, and playoff percentages, right? And they're 11%. You know how many teams since 1979 – have made the playoffs going 0-3? I'm going to guess one. Not that bad, but six. <laughs> okay, that's still bad. Six. Okay. 
Still bad. Yeah. Still pretty bad. Last team to do it was the 2018 Texans. Oh wow. So th- this is this is a this is a mismanagement of the roster. Just full stop. Print it. I mean, we've talked about GM Bill versus versus Coach Bill. Coach Bill is fantastic. He he has game plans that have worked for the most part the last two games defensively. Offensively, I think Bill O'Brien is just handcuffed because and Mac Jones is handcuffed because they don't have any elite talent receivers that can make explosive plays. Hmm. They just don't have it. And on top of that, they couldn't run the football. Right. That was incredible to me. They literally have been running Mac Jones out of a shotgun formation the entire season. So, you know, it, this is a whole structural problem with the offensive makeup of the team, and it's on Bill the GM. And that's where you either say, we have to move on from this completely, or we got to bring in somebody to do football operations, Bill, and you got to let it go. And will Bill be okay with that well, at seventy something years old? Well, that was my next question: is his will will his ego allow that? I mean, I mean, you can make the case that the the Patriots were their most successful when Scott Pioli was in the front office. Sure, you know, I mean, hundred percent. Look at the guys that were you had Scott Pioli in 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 the early two thousands. Yep. You had guys like Michael Lombardi, right in. At, in in 2014 16 yep. i mean you had guys like that yep. you know and towards the end this roster construction from 2017 on really wasn't that great yeah you know it really wasn't that great so i i am questioning you know at this point if if this is a loss on sunday i mean we really got to look in the mirror and say where are we That'd be a disaster. Know? That would just be a disaster. I can't even imagine that. And 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 now mm-hmm. and now the Patriots lose Marcus Jones. He gets placed on injured reserve. He hurts his shoulder. Another but, one. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you start looking at this, and you know, uh, the the depth is is really going to be not just obviously on the offensive line, but now you start getting these injuries on 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 defense, and that now, uh, you know, it doesn't. It, I'm just trying to find some kind of a uh, a bright spot. I'm trying to find something to hang my hat are on. Are we all? Are, are we all? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's starting to get like winter in New England, and it's starting to feel like the the 70s, not the <laughs> not the 22,000s. Game, Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. Yeah, and it's not seriously. Good. Uh, all right, so no, it's not. So, well, let's. Uh, I've I've talked about the chance of Bill Belichick making it through the season. Let me ask you this. Uh, if the Chargers go zero and three, zero and four, is it time for them to make a change? Oh my, Gene, it's past. It's time. been past time. <laughs> we're we're late. We're late for dinner here. Like you know, I mean, yeah, they've already served the first course, right, Gene. I right. mean, we're on. I mean, goodness gracious, you know, we're past time. The only thing that'll make me very annoyed is that Matty Ice, my, my good, my good friend, my good co-host loves Kellen Moore for some reason. And so I've been calling him Oliver twist. Now. I'm just like, Please, sir, I want some more, you know, like I just, I've been calling him that. And he, he's just, he's just all about Kellen Moore. And, and I don't see it. I don't think Kellen Moore as for as many points as they put up, I, I, you know, and as many yards as they get in the fourth quarter, they are horrible. Yes. I mean, they are horrible. At, at sequencing their their fourth quarters, and they've been getting in all these close games. They lose to Tennessee. Yeah, you lost to Tennessee. 
Like, come on, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't think their play calling is very good. They lost to Ryan Tannehill. Are you kidding me? You yeah. know, I get it. They've got a good piece of pretty decent defense, but you, you smoked their defense. Right. You know, like you shouldn't. Yeah. Come on. Like it's a, it's a joke. It's a total joke. I mean, the guys should have been gone a while ago. Well, I, you, I can't argue with it. You know, the thing is, though, is it's almost like this is an organizational thing because you say that the, the, the Chargers stink in the fourth quarter. I've been following the Chargers since I was a kid, and the Chargers, have for, for the last decade probably, have had a history of this. Mm-hmm. No matter who the head coach was, get a lead early yeah. and find a way to blow it. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's crazy. Um, they wasted three. They've now wasted their third. They're wasting their third quarterback. They wasted Drew Brees. Yeah. And they, I mean, I think they they got rid of him, and they had Marty Schottenheimer, and who was an unbelievable coach. Right. Uh, and they got rid of him because they couldn't get along with him. They wasted Philip Rivers' career. Although North Turner got him all the way to the AFC Championship. I mean, that was a feat in and of itself. And now they're wasting Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, how concerned are you about the play of Trevor Lawrence? Uh, you know, I didn't think he was, I thought he had his moments in the first game against Indy and and that's why they were able to win. Uh, but last week, I I think it was more chalked up to the chiefs defenses playing out of their minds. You know, like I, I really think that I thought he was under a lot of pressure. Chris Jones, I thought their offensive line was suspect to say the least. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I do think that, but guys getting pressured at any point like that are going to struggle. I was, I was, you know, disappointed. I mean, how many times did you see last week from the Jaguars? I mean, if the end zone was 11 yards long, they would have had like three yeah. touchdowns. <laughs> You're I mean, right. it yeah. really, yeah. isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, like it's like just off. Zay Jones has done that a few times this year. Calvin Ridley had a play like that. I mean, they've just gotten, I think they have gotten a little unlucky. There's no question, but yeah, they, they really were under pressure. They couldn't move the ball at all last week and credit. Credit Spagnola last week. I mean, they did well. I think, I think they'll be fine. They just—it was kind of one of those weird, clunky games for both offenses. To be honest with you, uh, Cincinnati has to be really concerned now. Joe Burrow uh, is—he yeah. tweaked, tweaked that calf again. They don't know whether he's going to be able to play against the Rams this week. Uh, this is a—that seems like a team right now that is on a razor's edge. And if he is—if he is going to be out. Uh, you're going to have to, people are going to have to rethink, I think, their expectations for this team, huh? Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, you look at the, just look at the line for the game. I mean, it opened seven and a half on Sunday night. Right. And the Monday, and then by Monday, it was down to three. Right. Because people were saying, you know, Burrow may not play. Yeah, it's two and a half. So now. if Burrow, yeah. So, you know, if Burrow's not going to play, I mean, that changes the whole course completely. And I think the Bengals get a lot more conservative. Uh, can they run on the Rams though? That's the question. I right. think the Rams, Rams gave up a ton of yards to, to San Francisco last week. Um, but the Rams have been pretty good. I mean, you look at, I mean, this Puka Nakua kid is, is no joke, right. you know, and Stafford's been once again, like as accurate as he's been. So I feel like I kind of misjudged Stafford a little bit. I thought that maybe his old age was catching up to him, but he looks fantastic. So that's not going to be an easy game. They got to win that game and they're going to have to find a way with maybe without Burrow. Uh, the surprise of the week to me last week was the performance by the Atlanta Falcons. What a uh, uh, I, what a win uh, over the Green Bay Packers! I, you know what, that would have 
uh, maybe I'm overstating it, but I, to me, that was the lock of locks. I thought I thought Green Bay wins this game easily. I was shocked by the outcome of this one. Jordan Love, I mean, I know he threw three touchdown passes, but he just wasn't he wasn't very efficient. Not in the fourth quarter. Right. I agree that he yeah. wasn't that efficient, you know, and I think that was the, the issue. I mean, can you get a more nerdy team like all the football analytics people? Just love the Atlanta Falcons. Ugh. They just love it. It's like, yeah. well, they're just playing. They're playing chess, not checkers, with this run game, and they're doing it with Desmond Ritter. And like, you know, it's. I mean, I, to be honest, it's it's fun to see B. John Robinson. Like, I yeah. think he's incredible watching him. Yep. Uh, and, and they've used Tyler Algier. They've used a lot of these players, but this is totally unsustainable. I mean, I, I just I don't believe that that this is going to be a recipe for success for, for quote unquote years with Desmond Ritter there. I mean, maybe, maybe they are successful this year. Can you believe we have three teams in the NFC South that are two and oh, I know. I mean, who had that on their, who had that on their bingo card? (laughs) I mean, seriously, you know, so it's crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's a division. I thought everybody might be under 500. Yeah. You know, and they look, they look pretty good. The the saints look good. Uh, You know, beating up on Carolina the other night, Carolina stinks. But at Tampa, I mean, how about Tampa? Yep. Like, hold, they went from Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, to to Tampa Baker. Right. I mean, that's totally <laughs> crazy, you know. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, and and look, we've seen with Baker Mayfield, he's capable of putting together a few good games. The the question to me is, can he consistently do this? He has because he hasn't proven that throughout his entire career. Gene, he's got a, he's got, he's top five in the league in passer rating. Dude, it's I mean, two he's, games. He's been, he's been really good. <laughs> it's two I know, games. I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like he's got some weapons around him now. And it was like, the Bears. He hasn't had weapons like this. Yeah, well, I mean, they played the Vikings in week one, so you know, that's what it was. Yeah, it, it. Listen, yeah, you. Tomato, tomato. I think he's played good. You play in the NFL. You play against the teams you play against. Let's see how he does against Philadelphia on Sunday on Monday night. I think it'll be a fun game. You know what? You know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Baker. The, the way I feel about Baker Mayfield is probably the way you feel about Tua. <laughs> Show me. You know, probably. You know, that's kind of what yeah. I'm thinking. Um, probably. Uh, how about the way the Steelers pull out that game against Cleveland last week? Uh, oh, T.J. Watt, of all people, right? T.J. Watt ends up winning the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of pulling their butts out of the fire because Kenny Pickett was not good. You want to talk about pulling a game out of your lower intestines. Yes. <laughs> that was the game to do yeah. it. I yeah. mean, seriously. How they won that game. I mean, the Browns did everything they could to lose. I mean, they lose Chubb. Watson just played horribly, uh, you know. That, But, God bless it. I mean, the Steelers, I got so many stats for Eugene on the Steelers' offense, but I'll give you just one. You know how we harp on the Bears and how horrible that offense is. Yeah. The Bears all season have had only three trips to the red zone. That's it. Three. Oof. Ouch. The only team that has – the only team that has – Less than that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have two trips to the red zone in two games. Really? I mean, wow. it's it's disgusting. Wow. It's absolutely disgusting. They're one of I I mean they have they're horrible at running the football. Right. They can't run the football. They cannot throw it down the field. They're one of only I think three teams in the league that have five yards or less uh, yards per attempt, and they're one of two teams I think that have under fifty rushing yards per game. I mean, it's like it's insane. They're just they're horrendous, and just because they're so predictable on offense, you know 
They're under center. They're going to run it. Yep. They're in the shotgun. They're going to throw it. Like yeah. we yeah. know, right? You just know what's yep. going on. All right, let's get to uh, picks for this week, and let's start off with your favorite team. Let's let's start off with the uh, the Bill Belichick uh, uh, career saver uh, as they take on uh, the Jets in New York. Ah. Patriots, a two and a half point favorite in New York. Well, the Jets have saved his career before, so yeah. <laughs> uh, you know I think that they. Uh, I think that this one could be another one. Look, this is going to be a very wet game. Yep. Uh, so they're calling for a lot of wind and a lot of rain in in New Jersey on on Sunday. The the Jets fans will be out in full force. They as always, they want to win this game. This is like the the anytime you go to Patriots Jets games, I don't care if there's a playoff game, whatever. The Jets, the MetLife Stadium is never louder when the Patriots come to town. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you that right now. Right. So it'll be a hostile environment. There's no question. But uh, to me, I think the weather actually benefits the Patriots more than it does the Jets. Uh, I really do. I think that that's going to throw a huge wrench into Zach Wilson's play, who's already throwing interceptions left and right. Right. Uh, and Belichick has owned him. Belichick has, has owned this kid. Seeing so, ghosts. Uh, I, yeah, seeing ghosts, you know, just like Darnold, you know. Yep, I yep. mean, it's it's the same thing. So, And I think the weather as well will probably – I don't trust the Jets coaching staff to, to play it smart in that. I think they'll try to just win – physical and like yeah the rain and yeah our d line and all that stuff and the, and the patriots will be methodical and 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 calculate that in the special teams and defense and they'll probably win the game you know 10 to 3 like last year mm-hmm. and we'll go home you know i mean that'll be it so it'll be an ugly one uh but i do think the patriots the patriots no but they're owing to they're a much better team than that I, I think i think that team as you can see it in their faces and all week in the press conferences they're pissed, and and I think they want to win real bad, and I think they'll get it. Another career saver game: uh, the Chargers at Minnesota. The Chargers are a one point favorite. Vegas says this is going to be the highest scoring game of the week. Right over under is fifty three and a half. Yeah, and climbing. I saw fifty four yesterday, oh, wow. and and in yeah. uh, places you could still get it at fifty three and a half. God bless you. Uh, to, but to me, look, this is they should charge double. They should charge double for whatever this game is, is charging, because you're not just going to see a football game, Gene. You're going to go see the Kirk Cousins air show. You know, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is second in the league. I mean, in, in passing yards, he's, say, he's, uh, he's first in the league in passing touchdowns. He only has one interception. He's passer rating is incredible. He's in the top three of every statistical category. If his team has one win on the season, I mean, he's the early MVP. I mean, yeah. he's been outstanding, yeah. you know? So if they've been throwing it all over the yard, and holy cow, that Chargers pass defense is horrible. Right. I mean, holy cow. It is it is a joke. They should be able to do it. Justin Jefferson should be able to do whatever he wants in this game. Um, I, look, the Chargers have a good offense. There's no question. But I think uh, with Flores coming in and having uh, a plan, he did a really nice job against the Eagles. He really shut down that passing game for a lot of the a lot of that game. They, the Eagles really had to run to get anything going. Uh, I think he's going to do a, a number on on the, on Kellen Moore and, and and the Chargers. I know they have bigger you know bigger uh, receivers, mm-hmm. but I think the Vikings should be able to throw it all over the yard on on the Chargers. So I'm going to take the Vikings here to go uh, to get their first win. Atlanta, the uh, the the statistical or the the nerd darlings, uh, are at Detroit. Detroit, a three and a half point favorite. Detroit smarting after a a tough loss uh, at home against Seattle last week. Yeah, Detroit's dealing with a lot of injuries, aren't they? I yeah. mean, 
St. Brown seems like he's banged up. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's now going to IR. You know, I mean, they got a lot of injuries. And, and look, Atlanta playing on that fast track in Detroit, you know, you, you love Detroit. You know, they're, they're a good story. But they, they had a critical, critical fumble uh, in that game against Seattle that, that really ended up costing them early in the first half. And it kind of put the game bobsided. Uh, and Seattle ended up pulling out in overtime. So, you know, I, I think that pass defense is, is concerning. I'm not sure how great they are against the run either, though. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm very, I'm a little concerned with that side of it. I do think that Atlanta still has some pieces there. I'm starting to, you know, not necessarily buy in on the Falcons, but I'm, I'm starting to maybe waver a little bit on the Lions, who I did not pick to win the division. So, you know, I'll take Atlanta. I'll take the upset of the week there uh, and, and get them a, a win on the road. And how about the Falcons being 3-0? and out? Oh, Wow. Well, and considering I live in Falcon country, people will be giddy down here. Um, oh, yeah. At Green Bay, New Orleans at Green Bay. New Orleans may be one of the most boring teams in the NFL. So boring. <laughs> I mean, Oh, I, my God. I, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal to watch. But they are on the road. They're, they're, they're Green Bay. Uh Jordan Love needs to, <laughs> needs to bounce back after that game last week. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Jordan Love may not have been efficient, but jo- the name Jordan Love can be associated with one thing. He's the only quarterback in football that has not thrown an interception. Uh, so he's been really good, and he's leading the league in touchdown passes. So he's been pretty good so far in his career, except for that fourth quarter right. uh, last week against Atlanta. So, uh, you know, uh, him home opener at Lambeau Field feels like it's all set up for him. I'll tell you what, boring sometimes works. I think the Saints are going to win. I, I yeah. think the Saints have. I think the Saints defense is going to keep them in it, where they can make enough plays offensively. Like these weapons that they got with with uh, with Olave down the field. This kid Rashid Shahid mm-hmm. has really done a lot for them. Michael Thomas looks a lot better than in any year he's had since 2019. So, you know, I, I think they got the weapons to do this. Now, they're down a couple running backs. So, you know, they're going with a rookie at running back this week. But uh, I do think that, that they can kind of just kind of, you know, putt-putt through this game and let Green Bay kind of make some mistakes. I think, if memory serves, I might be wrong here. We could double-check, but if memory serves, I heard a stat this week that the Saints are on like a 10-game streak of not allowing 20 points or more. Oh, wow. I mean, they've been they've been like really good defensively, and nobody really has heard about it. So I think the Saints, uh, Dennis Allen, has a good plan to go into Green Bay and kind of befuddle this young quarterback and, and these young receivers. I'm going to take the Saints to win. Okay. Um, I This is the surprise to me, the surprise line of the week. Uh, Cleveland's at, mm. uh, at home. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Tennessee. Tennessee coming off a nice win last week. I know it was the Chargers. I get all that. But Ryan Tannehill with a huge bounce-back game. Um, and Cleveland without their star running back. I know Kareem Hunt's in, but, you know, what what can you expect out of him? So – uh, Cleveland three and a half point favorite at home. Yeah, I, I, you kind of look surprised and you say, "Wow, you know that's it's kind of a high line." But Gene, as I as I like to say, Vegas knows more than we do. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, yeah. I, I I think that I think that this is going to be a very very sloppy defensive game. Both defenses are outstanding. 
uh, in my opinion. I think these these two defenses don't get enough credit. The the Browns D line should eat up the Titans offensive line. I mean okay. that, that that's going to be a major issue for the Titans offensively. Defensively, look, the Browns are missing Jack Conklin. Uh, that's a huge loss for them. But their offensive line is still pretty good. Uh, they're going up. It's a very tough front led by Jeffrey Simmons. It's going to be a slog fest. It's going to be tough, but I do think the Browns will win this game. I think that Watson will do just enough. I mean, is Tannehill going to do enough with the receivers he has? Really, they only got to focus on Hopkins. Everybody else has been very suspect for the Titans. And then Henry, you know, like I said, that front seven is tough to deal with if you're the Titans. I don't know how much, you know, Henry. Henry's going to have to do a lot in this game for them to win. Uh, and I don't think the Browns have to do that much on, on offense. I think they can get by with Hunt and the, and the young kid, Jerome Ford, uh, and then find Amari Cooper and find other guys on the outside, you know, to, to win this game. They don't have to do a lot. I think it's probably going to be, you know, 20s to teens game, maybe a 2017 win, but I like the Browns. Uh, Pittsburgh is at Vegas. Vegas, a two-and-a-half point favorites. These are, these are two of the – uh, offenses that have struggled mightily to start the season. This might this might be a very low scoring game. It might be, but listen, Gene. I think I think the Steelers, for as bad as they have been offensively, defensively, they, I think they're a little overinflated as well. I, I really do. I, I know they have a really good pass rush, but Gene, their their run defense. Holy yeah. cow! I mean, they really can't stop the run at all and and if there's a team that needs to get back to running the football it's the Raiders I mean Josh Jacobs hasn't gotten it going so far this year I think that they can absolutely do that I think the Raiders have been really good up front on the offensive line uh you know if you look at the Raiders the Raiders are the only team in the league only team in the league that have not given up a sack this year Hmm. only team in the league they've also only given up five pressures total so they have the lowest pressure rate allowed of any team and the Steelers have the highest pressure rate of any defense so that's where the game is going to be won and lost. But if the Raiders can run the football, and you got to remember, Cam Hayward out for the Steelers. Yep. Now Larry Ogunjobi, their other defensive tackle, he's questionable for this game. If the Steelers are down two defensive tackles, the Raiders are really going to have a, a, a good opportunity to run the ball between the tackles and get Jacobs involved. I think the Raiders will get that involved, and they'll get back to doing what Jimmy G loves best, play action to Devontae Adams. That's what they want to do, right? I think that'll be that'll be the the recipe for success. I think the Raiders walk out with a win. Uh, the last one, uh, the show me game for Baker Mayfield. Uh, Philly is at Tampa Bay. The Eagles, a four and a half point favorite on the road, but they are a little bit banged up. They are a little bit banged up. Now the Eagles figured out the Vikings last week with defense. Uh, I think one of the things that has been surprising is the Eagles' offensive line has just not been as good as advertised like as it was last year when they're defending in the or I'm sorry when they're blocking in the passing game they're passing they're they're giving up like in terms of pressure rate they're 28th in the league mm. in pressure rate allowed so i mean that's a concern and god bless it but the the defensive and offensive lines of the bucks have been like otherworldly in the first two games and i get it it's the Vikings and the Bears. <laughs> I understand that. This is a whole whole new ball game, whole new thing. But I'll be honest, I, you know, I think this is a very dangerous game. Philadelphia only lost one game last year with Jalen Hurts starting, and that was uh, until the Super Bowl. That was Monday night against 
a really good D-line in Washington on the road. And to be honest, Hurts on the road has not been very good uh, in terms of, you know, winning these games and winning them, uh, winning them outright, sure, and then winning them with blowouts. He doesn't blow anybody out on the road. I think this would be a close game, Gene. Too close. I think this is the upset of the week. I'm going to take the Bucks to mm-hmm. win this game on Monday Night Football and beat the Eagles. And, and maybe, like I said, you know, we're, we're, we're firing the cannons. We're on the Jolly Roger. But I think the Eagles can say, why gone if we're talking about Pirates? Because they seem hung over from that Super Bowl. I'll tell you that. I they really do. So wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Bucks in an upset to win. How much trouble is that getting you in at home? <laughs> She doesn't know yet. <laughs> she doesn't know yet. But hey, based on those picks, right? Based yeah. on those picks, we're going to have three three and O teams in the NFC South. Right. We'll see. That's that's insane. That's insane. All right, Dan. Well, listen. Thank you for uh, an, another uh, insightful Friday afternoon, and we will look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Absolutely, Gene. You are the best. Have a great fall down in down in North Carolina. Should be a great time, and uh, we're looking forward to to next week and getting the season really rolling. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from the Flatlanders. Uh, Don Imus, my my broadcasting hero. This is one of his favorite groups. Uh, it's called Waving My Heart Goodbye. We will see you on Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. <laughs>